Hello, and welcome to your next episode of Fixing Fitness with Kelly, the show that serves up real talk about fitness with a focus on why traditional fitspo just doesn't serve women in their 30s. Let's talk about what we can really do to get results that make all the effort worth it. Get more on the website at kellymarieroach.com, including exclusive access to my head-to-toe mobility routine when you download my free guide to the five worst exercise cues in the fitness industry. And tune into the Kelly M. Roach YouTube channel for weekly videos offering fresh perspectives on fixing fitness topics. What's up, you guys? Welcome back for Season 2, Episode 5 of Fixing Fitness with Kelly. Today's topic uh, was born sort of out of necessity, actually. It wasn't originally on my list of things to discuss, but it came up real time for me, and it seemed like a really important thing to address. So obviously, the title of today's episode is Fitness in Chaos, and this past week, I had a lot of chaos going on in my life. I was away from home. My husband and I were away from home. We had our three cats on the road with us. There was lots to do and not a lot of time in which to do it. Uh, We were both still working our day jobs full time and trying to cram in a whole bunch of important things that were sort of on a deadline around our work hours. And I know that a lot of my listeners are desk workers. That is the point of Fixing Fitness with Kelly. It is fitness for desk workers. It is designed to address things that a lot of the fitspos and fitness influencers don't have to deal with in their lives. And so they often get overlooked and fall into this gap in the fitness industry of how do you do these things when your reality is that you have a desk job. So today's episode, I kind of took some time and I said, whoa, what happened here, what was going on, and what needs to happen, what can I do better next time, and what can I share with the podcast listeners in case they are running into this in their own lives as well. So that said, let's jump into fitness in chaos. There are times when it seems like no matter how badly you want to prioritize your health and fitness, reality requires something different. Things that we work into our lives when our routines aren't disrupted and the day-to-day is mostly status quo can quickly fall by the wayside, whether we want them to or not, when life goes off the rails. For many of us holding down a 9-to-5 to pay the bills, we can convince ourselves that we have enough work-life balance going on to accommodate all of the things that are most important to us while still being a productive employee. But this becomes less true when demands on our personal time increase to the point that we have to bump something off the list that we otherwise wouldn't dream of going without. In recent personal experience, I was somewhat dismayed to discover that the first things to go were things that I hold as my top priorities at any other time, exercise and sleep. Busy workdays followed by chaotic evenings and restless nights created a downward spiral so that within a couple of days, my body was aching and I was running on fumes. Just one busy day when I couldn't prioritize a workout without sacrificing a different deadline-driven priority turned into a night of almost no sleep, which turned into a day of feeling borderline ill from lack of sleep so that I couldn't have exercised if I wanted to. This cycle repeated for a couple of days in a row and left me headachy, exhausted, and stiff all over. There were a few things at play here. The first issue was time constraints. When there is a long list of things that need to be done within a limited time frame, there really is no choice but to move other things around to make sure they get done. 
And unsurprisingly, a day job isn't really something that can be moved unless you can and want to use PTO. It's discouraging to realize that even when everything around you falls apart, or when things you truly love and care about need your full attention, your day job just sits there like an immovable boulder that you still have to fit your life around. Despite all the motivational memes about work only being a part of your life rather than the other way around, the sad reality for most of us is that this is a fantasy. The second issue I experienced was cognitive overload. I did an in-depth episode discussing cognitive load and its impact on willpower and energy levels back in Season 1, Episode 7. But the gist, if you missed that episode, is that cognitive load refers to all of the invisible mental energy expended on operating your life or household. One of the studies I talked about in that episode offered a working definition of mental labor that included five elements. Those elements were cognition, management, communal orientation, anticipation, and invisibility. And as a reminder, here's what each of those elements means. Cognition covers thinking about and remembering information. Management covers managerial aspects of mental labor, including things like planning, organizing, coordinating, instructing, reminding, decision-making, and monitoring. Communal orientation means things that are done for the benefit of others, not only yourself. So this covers when you're thinking about your kids, your partner, your parents, the pets, and anyone else in your household. The anticipatory element of mental labor is that it's often future-oriented. So whenever you're presently doing one thing, you're devoting mental labor to what's coming next. And invisibility is included to cover the fact that this is the kind of labor which goes largely unnoticed. So thinking about each of these in turn, it's no surprise that when chaos levels go up, mental labor skyrockets while energy and willpower plummet. This got me thinking about people who have to live their lives this way for extended periods of time for one reason or another. People who travel for work most of the time, moms to young children, people who find themselves out of work, people who have long-term illness or injury to contend with. And I started wondering about how to really go about prioritizing fitness amidst chaos, and if that's even possible. The first thing we have to do is get clear about what we mean when we say prioritizing fitness. There are so many different ways to take that statement. For simplicity, let's say there are five key facets to staying fit and energized. Exercise, nutrition, hydration, sleep, and mental harmony. In my own circumstances, as I've already mentioned, exercise and sleep were the first two things to disappear because, admittedly, they are the most time-consuming of the five facets. However, nutrition can be deceptively time-consuming as well. There were evenings when I chose to prioritize cooking something, even something as simple as baked chicken and boiled rice, to keep my stomach full and my digestive system happy. There's nothing worse for me than already feeling tired and achy and then doubling down with bloat and upset stomach. But doing this still stole a collective 45 minutes of my time that night. Between prepping the chicken, preheating the oven, getting things on and off the stove, and doing the cleanup, even a simple meal took up time I could have spent on something else. And I know lots of people that choose the extra time over ensuring nutritional support from their meals. And on a short-term basis, the effects of this are probably minimal, unless you have a sensitive stomach like I tend to. 
But when you start mixing the cocktail of poor sleep, no exercise, and imbalanced nutrition, it doesn't take long before you start to feel worse, not better. And what about mental harmony? How well harmonized can you be during chaotic times? How much time do you need to take to meditate, refocus, organize your thoughts, or just designate some time to not think and free yourself from the cognitive load? This can be time consuming, sure, but I know there are people who are major proponents of taking just 10 minutes a day to meditate and reset. I would argue though that it takes a lot of practice to be able to extract yourself from the chaos and heightened sense of urgency in a quick, efficient way that has a lasting effect. For many of us, a quick five to 10 minutes meditating isn't enough to reset. It's just enough to sit there thinking about all the things you need to do when your 10 minute timer goes off. So looking at the list we started with, hydration seems to be the only thing that's easy to sustain and comes with no time related cost. And while water is wonderful, it's not a miracle cure for anything. And it isn't enough to keep us feeling our best when everything else has gone off the rails. But it's amazing, isn't it, that the things that support us as healthy, energized, robust human beings are the first things we're expected to sacrifice to meet our obligations. So if you're someone standing there with your water bottle going, okay, Kelly, I'm hydrated, but that's about all I've got going for me. What do I do next? Let's talk about what to reincorporate first to get yourself feeling human again. There are two approaches we can take here. The first is to look at which will take up the least amount of time. The second is to look at which will have the biggest impact. In terms of what takes the most amount of time, the honest truth is that designated time for exercise is probably the biggest ask. As much as people want to tell you that you can get a workout in at the low time cost of 15 minutes, that doesn't take into account the time to change, stop whatever else you're doing, mentally check in for exercise, actually do the workout, then shower and clean up afterward. A 15-minute workout really can be effective, get your heart pumping, and leave you covered in sweat. And as amazing as that feels, if the only time you have 15 minutes is in the middle of the workday between some meetings, you have to tack on time to clean yourself up before you take your next Teams call, right? So in many cases, especially in times of chaotic scheduling, it just doesn't really work. So rather than set aside time devoted to just exercise, I try to do little things to wake up my mind-muscle connection while I'm doing other things. If you have 60 seconds while you're waiting for the microwave, do some bodyweight squats. Do some lunges while you're brushing your teeth. While my rice was boiling, I did some glute isolation exercises using my countertop as a bar. It's not a workout, but it helps get me back into my body and back in touch with my muscles. Save the big workouts for when things calm down or days pop up when you can devote yourself both physically and mentally to the exercise. If you're someone who works out regularly, missing a few days in a row or even a week of big workouts can sometimes be restorative, giving your muscles a proper chance to recover 100%, and chances are good that you aren't going to lose any of the hard work you've already put in. Sleep is the other contender for biggest time suck, and this is one where the consideration leans heavily toward how big of an impact it has on your overall feelings of well-being. If you are someone who can run for extended periods on five to six hours of sleep without really feeling the effects of it, 
I wouldn't prioritize sleep over nutrition. But if you're someone who wakes up feeling positively hungover if you get less than seven hours of sleep, I would focus on getting to bed on time no matter how it might impact your other priorities. Nutrition is an interesting one because even though it takes up time, it doesn't have to be time strictly devoted to preparing food the way that devoted exercise time is pretty much just going to be about exercise. I can preheat an oven while I work on putting furniture together. I can review a report or answer emails while chicken and rice cook. I could even use the cooking time to get some light exercise like I was talking about before. And throwing some dishes into the dishwasher isn't all that time consuming if you keep the meal simple. Sheet pan meals and one-pot meal ideas on Pinterest can be very helpful here. And like I mentioned before, I think this also comes down to how long your personal period of chaos is expected to last. Is it short-term, like a weekend moving into a new place, a week of travel, or are you looking at several months or more of disruption to your normal schedule? In the short term, takeout can be a fast way to save time spent on feeding yourself that probably won't have too much of a long-term impact. But if it's going to be several days in a row or more, the cumulative effect of this is likely going to be feelings of sluggishness, low energy, and being out of balance. By that, I mean, think about the last time you did something where most of what you ate in a day was sugary carbs. The next day, you probably felt like you really needed some meat, vegetables, and something salty. If you can sustain a relatively well-balanced nutritional profile, regardless of whether you're preparing it yourself or ordering out, this will go a long way. So now we have to tackle the big topic of preserving mental harmony. In many cases, I think that even though this could take up more time than you'd like it to, it might have a bigger impact than almost any of the others. And I used the example of meditation earlier, but preserving your mental harmony could mean setting aside time to stay organized with a bullet journal or calendar, or zoning out for a 10-minute mental break scrolling through socials, or even a 20-minute catnap. You need to identify what helps you remaster your mind in times of chaos because the internal monologue has high potential for going off the rails. When we are off our game, especially if we are feeling sleep deprived, our brains have a way of telling us the worst version of the stories we're living. Self-talk turns critical. Our opinions of others drops. Any marginal slight grows exponentially into some kind of personal offense, mostly because we're stressed and overwhelmed and our minds see an outlet to unleash some of our pent-up emotion, lash out, and pick a fight. Being aware of our internal monologues is difficult enough for some people in optimal conditions. Taking control of it and steering it in a way that supports our well-being is an advanced skill at the best of times. So it's no surprise that we often lose that awareness and let go of that self-direction when our energy is getting siphoned off elsewhere. Periods of high stress and chaos can make accomplishing even simple things feel hopeless. We talked about this a little bit in season one as well when we looked at a couple of studies examining perceived level of effort. What the studies basically demonstrated was that if we perform the same task when we're well-rested, and again, when we're tired, it seems significantly harder when we're tired, even if the level of effort required to complete the task hasn't actually changed. 
What that suggests is that even if you're someone who is skilled at managing their internal monologue, doing so will be a lot harder when life gets busy and stressful. But let's look at the potential impact of taking the time to zero in on this, even when it seems like everything else is falling apart. This gets into the cognitive cycle that I've talked about over and over again on different social platforms. And I could easily devote multiple podcasts to each aspect of this, but I'm going to drop a condensed version here just to hopefully get the point across. So the core principle of what I'm about to share is that our thoughts determine our feelings, not the other way around. What you think will drive what you're feeling. Okay, that is the premise. But the cycle actually begins with our core beliefs. Our beliefs drive our thoughts. Our thoughts then drive how we feel. How we feel determines what actions we take. Our actions determine what we experience. And those experiences, in turn, either reinforce or undermine our beliefs. So there is a lot going on there, but for purposes of maintaining our mental harmony, we can focus on the thoughts, feelings, actions part of the cycle. So when we're under a lot of stress, our thoughts, also known as our internal monologue, will wander off. And at some point in the day, we might notice that we're feeling cranky, irritable, rushed, and maybe even a little heckled by all the demands placed upon us. Where did those feelings come from? Most of the time, we assume that the feelings are a result of all those demands. But really, they're not. What has been running through your head as you've been trying to meet all those demands? What did you let your internal monologue get up to while you were distracted, focusing on the things outside your control? If you pause for a moment and tune back in, you'll probably find that your thoughts have run off onto a negative track. One where you hate your job, your spouse is useless, your pets are needy and annoying, the house is always a mess, nothing ever gets done unless you do it, you can't get ahead no matter how hard you try, life would be so much easier if X, Y, or Z happened, right? It's no wonder you're left feeling cranky and irritable. This is where the skill set of being aware of your thoughts is key, because if you are paying attention You'll catch it when those thoughts start racing long before you start to experience the feelings that are the direct outcome of that negative thinking. Instead of the story of how much you hate your job and all your efforts are useless, you can direct your thinking to more useful places, like how to organize and prioritize all of these demands, how to set realistic expectations for others of when you can get to their requests, Acknowledging when you need to slow down and take a break in order to keep going at maximum efficiency. Thoughts like these invoke feelings of calm, steadiness, and empowerment, even in the face of chaos, if you can devote the time and attention to creating them. This is why I think that of the five facets of fitness, maintaining your mental harmony has far and away the highest impact. So despite it maybe taking some time to lock it in, if you need to pick and choose, it's very probably the most beneficial place to start. So how do you prioritize staying fit in chaos? Preserve time to get your mind right above all else. 
stay hydrated, find your personal harmony between sleep, exercise, and nutrition, depending on your circumstances, what costs you the most time, and what has the highest impact on your feelings of well-being. I hope you've made it this far with me. This episode was a doozy, and it actually kind of surprised me how that cycle I was talking about of beliefs and thoughts, feelings, actions, and experiences came up in these circumstances. As I mentioned, it's a topic that I have talked about in numerous places on social platforms. It's a very dense subject matter, and it takes a couple times to really grasp it. So if you want to go back and re-listen to that part of the podcast slowly again, I would highly recommend it. If it's interesting to you guys, I would be more than happy to do podcast episodes specifically about those things, even from the angle or through the lens of how it can impact your overall fitness and well-being, because just as much as it seems to really impact it in times of chaos, the reality is it's going to impact it all the time because this is something our internal monologue is going all the time, whether we're in times of chaos or not. So it's a really important skill to develop and it definitely boosts your health and wellness goals as well as, I would argue, every other aspect of your life. So if you find yourself in times of chaos and things are going off the rails in terms of finding time to work out and losing sleep and feeding yourself nutritious foods, the first thing I would suggest that you do is check in with what's running through your mind and take control of that, no matter how much time it takes you to do that. And it is a skill. So the more often you do it and the more skilled you become at doing it, the more practice you have at doing it, the less time it will take. So that in those times of chaos, when you really need it the most, you're going to be able to do it like that. So I hope you enjoyed If you have thoughts, opinions, requests for more on any aspect of this, find me on Instagram at kellym.roach. Leave me a note in the comments. Send me a DM. I would love to hear from you. And that's going to wrap up season two, episode five. We're already halfway through season two. Can you believe it? So thank you so much for listening. I'll be back with another episode next week. Enjoy your week and I'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.